And she said, well, you have to learn about psychedelics. And I jokingly said, well, we don't, we don't need any more drugs. That's kind of the problem here. And she just looked at me and she said, they're not drugs, they're medicines. They've been used for thousands of years around the world by indigenous people and you need to learn about them. And that night I went home and I, I got online and spent about five hours researching. And within a couple of months, I was on my way to the Bahamas to try and set up an Ibogaine clinic to help people struggling with addiction. And uh, I've never looked back. So I've, you know, since that time, I've been spending as much time as I can meeting leading thinkers and shaman and uh, indigenous people and scientists and neuroscientists from around the world who are working at a high level to try and understand and help with plant medicines. Welcome to the Sacred Soul Podcast. Your soul is sacred. Your soul is sacred. Your soul is so sacred. I'm your host, Vanessa Soul. host Vanessa Soul. Today's episode, we have Mike Momola here with us. We're going to dive into this great conversation. And let me give you an introduction. Mike Momola is an attorney turned entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience. He is on a mission to unravel the immense potential of Web3, Metaverse, Crypto, DeFi, and Blockchain technology. As a CEO of his consulting company, he brings together celebrities, authors, global entrepreneurs, and finance experts to share their insights and success strategies, all while continuously developing his own relationship capital and next-level mindset strategies. Not only Mike excel in the world of business, but he also champions physical, mental, and financial health among his clients and associates. He is an advocate for mental wellness and explores alternative healing methods such as psychedelics and plant and sacred medicines. His vast international network includes partners, clients, companies, and high net worth colleagues, and his expertise has been recognized by the media outlets like NASDAQ and Bloomberg TV. Whether it's through personal coaching or community Q's and A's, Mike is dedicated to helping others carve their own paths to success. So thank you, Mike, for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. And the moment that I met you, I was just super interested in everything that you're doing. And then I've been following your social media and your posts are like inspiring. They're informative. Mm. It's like, it's all this juiciness in one post. And that's why I reached out recently. I was like, hey, we got to have a conversation. So thank you for inspiring everyone with your post. My pleasure. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. That's the intended purpose. So glad to hear that it's uh, resonating. Yeah. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your journey. We'll start off with uh, how did you make the shift from being an attorney to an entrepreneur and change maker? Hmm. It's a great question. What do they say that the uh, the journey of a thousand miles starts with the uh, single step or the first step? But I think it actually starts with the decision to take that step. And so that's what it was. It was a decision. It was a recognition and an acknowledgement that there was a different calling for me. And so I had spent the first two decades of my career as a founding partner and trial attorney in the Northeast and built out a successful law firm representing individuals in a variety of different uh, matters. And uh, just about a decade ago, started investing more and more in startup companies and early stage companies. 
And uh, about eight years ago, so two years into that, I, I had this this moment, this aha moment. And I think it was a culmination of everything that I had achieved up until that point. I, I grew up with a single mother, um, worked three jobs to raise my sister and I. So we didn't we didn't have a lot, um, but we had enough. And so I grew up, I think, with this uh, entrepreneurial flame burning inside of me because I wanted more than enough. I wanted a lot. And um, so, you know, I had achieved that. I built out a successful law firm, some other successful companies. And uh, my wife and I built a, a beautiful dream home. And I was lying on the couch looking up at the 24-foot ceilings one day. And I had this, as Mike Tyson would say, this mule kick to the chest of something profound is missing. And so fortunately, I was able to sit with that. And rather than just letting it pass by, like I think a lot of people do because we're so busy with life, life tends to get in the way. I was able to sit with it and think about it. Like, what is this that I'm experiencing? Why am I experiencing it? What is, what is the next calling? What's the next chapter? And how do I, how do I start that chapter? And so it was with the decision that I have to acknowledge this is Joseph Campbell would say that proverbial, uh, the hero's journey, right? That knock that we, we all get in life. And, and the only decision is whether or not we're willing to answer. And so I answered it. That began a, a journey that I couldn't have imagined. It's been so incredibly beneficial and profound in so many ways. It's opened doors to amazing people like you and others around the world in, in ways that I it could have never, ever imagined. And uh, that was, like I said, that was about eight years ago. And, and along that path, I, you know, that was the beginning of my spiritual awakening. I, prior to that, I didn't know what spirituality was. Um, and if you told me that I'd be talking about it here on a podcast today, if you told me that, Ten years ago, I probably would have spit beer through my nose laughing at you because I wasn't that guy. Um, but I started to really sit with it. And when, when that journey began, I realized that something profound was missing. And, and in many ways, I came to the conclusion that so much of this that we expect and, and want in life is an illusion. And um, so I wanted to, to change that. And I wanted to redefine what success was in my mind. And I realized up until then, success really was almost all financial. And so, you know, now when I speak about this publicly, I talk about that. I recognize now that that's only one leg of the chair and a one legged chair doesn't do well when you sit on it. So now it's it's physical health, it's mental health, it's spiritual health and it's financial health. But I, re I realized now that I had to, to build those other three legs. And uh, so that was the beginning of the journey. And uh Wow, that resulted in a number of other new companies with people with, you know, people that I had met along the way, founders and entrepreneurs, celebrities, professional athletes, just from around the world, building out this incredible network. And along that path, along that journey, was trying to help someone that I loved with um, addiction. And I was speaking to one of my spiritual mentors. And she said, well, you have to learn about psychedelics. And I jokingly said, well, we don't we don't need any more drugs. That's kind of the problem here. And she just looked at me and she said, they're not drugs, they're medicines. They've been used for thousands of years around the world by indigenous people and you need to learn about them. And that night I went home and I, I got online and spent about five hours researching. And within a couple of months, I was on my way to the Bahamas to try and set up an Ibogaine clinic to help people struggling with addiction. And uh, I've never looked back. So I've, you know, since that time, I've been spending as much time as I can meeting leading thinkers and shaman and uh, indigenous people and scientists and neuroscientists from around the world who are working at a high level to try and understand and help with plant medicines. 
Um, that's a big part of where I am now. The other part of that is, um, as you mentioned, in, with regard to not just human technology, which I think that is a natural technology, but with computer technology and everything that we're seeing. I, I currently serve as chief legal officer for one of the world's premier uh, metaverse Web3 and technology infrastructure companies. And that's really exciting. And so I, I see in many ways a convergence starting to happen where we'll be able to bring these two different technologies together um, in a way that helps people that we've never seen. And there, there's an absolute need and on my part and the part of, of others who recognize the importance of nature for people to separate from technology, incredibly important. I go into nature as much as we can. My wife and I have a small motorhome and we disappear into nature as much as we can. Uh, but also an opportunity to bring those things together, right? Everything in harmony, everything in balance. And so that's a little bit about what I'm up to and what led me to podcasts like this. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. So you mentioned it was a friend that had an addiction that kind of like launched your curiosity into how to resolve that, how to unpack it, which ultimately led you into the interest of psychedelics and sacred medicines and discovering the healing powers. Did you also have maybe your own mental health struggle or challenge or maybe a rock bottom that also might have played a part? Yeah, sure. I mean, like so many people, and I didn't recognize it as that, right? It's like the uh, the, the frog, the boiling frog example, right? Where if you, you take a, a pot of water and, and you throw a frog into hot water, it's going to jump out. But if you if you put the frog in the water and then you turn the flame on and you, and you heat it slowly, the frog doesn't jump out. It actually dies, right? It boils. And so many of us are in that situation in life. You know, we're, we're kind of confined because of our, our responsibilities, family responsibilities, professional responsibilities. And, and so we get caught up with that and the stress becomes a lot. And in many ways, I think we often become uh, incredibly stressed and, and sometimes depressed and or anxious and or a combination of those things. And we find ourselves trying to, to self-medicate. We find ourselves trying to help each other and ourselves the only way we know how, which is often prescription medication or alcohol or things that are, that are toxic in many ways, but for some reason they're legal and we can leave that for a conversation uh, for another day. But so many of these things that I had never been introduced to, they weren't on my radar uh, were so far. And so, yes, um, you know, I, I wanted to find ways of naturally and holistically helping myself to feel better, to raise my vibration, my frequency, so that, that it, you know, I, I jumped out of bed in the morning and was excited to be alive and see the world and see people and attracted all of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, attracted all of the things in life that I wanted. And, and so it's worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, did you have like something specific? You gave me like the general the general concept, which I totally understand, but did you have anything specific that you were personally working through? Yeah, it was, it was exactly that. It was that feeling of, of there's more. Okay. I don't feel like I'm achieving my purpose. I'm depressed. How can I not? It was just, I'm not happy. And that yeah. was like really what sank in. It was like, how can I not be happy? I have everything. I have a beautiful wife, a beautiful dog, and beautiful homes and cars and boats and beach houses and vacations and like, what's going on? How can I, like, I just spent the last two decades doing everything everyone ever told me I needed to do in order to be happy. I did it all. And here I am. So now what? And so it's, you know, when you, when you spend 20 years climbing a mountain and you get to the top of that mountain and you realize it's the wrong mountain, what do you do? 
well, you go climb another mountain. And uh, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any interesting or fun scientific facts about plant medicines? The, the, the impact, um, the results. Cause I think sometimes people don't know where to find some of the scientific proven ways that sacred medicines are actually helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And you can find that one of the big projects that we're working on now, I, I actually serve as chief strategy officer for a company called Webdelix, W-E-B-D-E-L-I-C-S.com. And we're positioning Webdelix to be the number one trusted resource for psychedelics on the planet. And so the purpose of that is to answer questions exactly like this, like for my younger sister to, to try and understand what mushrooms are and why they're of interest to me. Like what's, what are, what are the research? What is the research and what's the data show? And so the, the short answer to your question is yes, unequivocally, um, psilocybin, mushrooms, MDMA now, um, ketamine, different things. The, the evidence is there so much, in fact, that the, the FDA, we know with ketamine, has is, is been uh, legalized for a long time now, but um, or approved by the FDA for a long time now. And now the decriminalization of psilocybin and, and very shortly, we believe MDMA and others is because the data is there. And unlike so many other things that are you know, in and around society, we can show this. We can see the neurogenesis that occurs in people's brains, forming new neural pathways from um, psilocybin and mushrooms and from things that occur with taking MDMA and or other plant medicines. It's, it's amazing. That's why we're seeing the kinds of governmental support that we are, because you can't, you can't refute it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once upon a time, I also heard someone say that when people are you know, under the the influence of these powerful medicines, they could actually revisit the trauma, but it's, it's not as painful. It's their brain interprets it a little bit differently to where it's a little bit more manageable to their nervous system. Do you know anything about that? I do. I know a lot about it. And I think that's why these work right in our society in Western medicine, we focus on the medicine itself as a, as a way to numb it, right? Whether it's prescription medication, whether it's alcohol, um, and then just other vices, sex and gambling and different things. We try to distract ourselves from what hurts us, what harms us, right? And depression and addiction and all of these things, those are symptoms of an emotional pain. And so now we realize when you look at other cultures, we realize that when you lean into it, when you process through it, you tend to resolve it. And then you heal. You don't just treat. You don't have to take antidepressants for 10 years because you're depressed. You treat it at, at the source. And like you said, it does give you the ability to address these things from a different perspective or in a different way that perhaps may not be as painful or it might be painful. Um, and that's what we need to go through it. For example, Ibogaine, you know, an incredible, incredible psychedelic, which a lot of people aren't familiar with, even in the psychedelic space. That's what it is. It's 36 hours of watching your life play in front of your face and fast forward and extracting those most painful moments. And just like a, a computer defragmenting or debugging so that you can condense that, uh, that memory, mm. um, it then extracts those painful moments, some that you may not remember because they've been suppressed or they're now in your subconscious. Maybe they were when you were an infant, maybe preverbal. Um, but going back through these, pulling them out and then letting you process through them so that now you come out on the other side. It's a it's a diametrically opposed approach to solving our problems than we than we use now, which is, like I said, it, it doesn't work. Um, our system doesn't work. It's broken. Our mental health system is broken. You know, there's there's no reason that 
Suicide should be the number two leading cause of death in individuals 18 to 34. There's no reason mm -hmm. that suicide should be the leading cause of death for police officers in the United States. There's no reason we mm -hmm. should lose as many veterans as we do when they come back to suicide. Um, we can fix that. But the problem is that talk therapy combined with prescription medication doesn't work. And, you know, I can give you examples and examples of this, but just looking at, for example, addiction, it has a traditionally, we have a three to 5% success rate with addiction in traditional forms of mm -hmm. uh, treatment. Now three to 5%. Wow. And it, it, it doesn't matter if you spend $5,000 or you spend $100,000 at these top clinics. It's a three to 5% success rate versus one experience with psilocybin overnight, uh, upwards of 80 to 85% success rate. It's extraordinary. Difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a no brainer. It's a you no brainer. Know, we're we're but, stuck and, trying and, to decriminalize. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a no brainer once people get there. But the problem is that so many of us like me are afraid, like we have been this, this has been so stigmatized. And we've been so conditioned. I don't know if you remember or not. I'm old enough to remember there's a commercial. And it was a guy with an egg and he was standing over a hot skillet. And he said this, you know, he opens it. He's like, this is your brain. And he drops it into the frying pan. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? And, and that scared the shit out of me. Pardon my French. But for, for years, you know, I spent my my college and early law school years in the nightclub scene in New, North Jersey and New York City. I paid my way through college as an MC in the nightclub scene. I was in and around this stuff every night until six in the morning or noon the next day. I never touched anything because I was so afraid. Maybe that was a good thing. But at the same time, I never, ever appreciated or gave the opportunity to the healing benefits of all of this because I was so afraid, because it was I was so stigmatized by what I had heard. And so now I think that's the uh, the barrier that we're up against. When I talk to people, they're petrified. Um, they'll go and they'll have three or four martinis at lunch every day, um, or they'll go and, and they'll take a bunch of oxys or their kids are on prescription SSRIs for the last 10 years, and that's okay, but there's no way they'll do mushrooms, right? Or there's no way they'll do MDMA, or there's no way they'll go to Peru and consider an ayahuasca experience. And so that's, yeah, it's a no brainer once people make that decision to, to open their minds and accept it. Yeah. Yeah. They have to be open to accepting a different perspective for sure. Yeah. 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 And I just, I love that you're in this work, spreading this message. I do healing work in my own container in my own way. Right. But you're amazing at it. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I just love how we're all just coming to the table with our own piece to the puzzle and bridging the gaps where we feel like the traditional mental health system is not successful. Again, those statistics that that low um, probability that success rate is extremely low with with suicides. And so I just I love that again, people like us, we're just paving our own path, right? Making our yeah. own lane and pitching in where we can and using our own past experiences and our own expertise that we're gaining to really solve some of the problems that we're all facing. It, in, a, in a quote from one of my favorite artists, uh, Tupac, in his song Changes, he said, we got to change the way we eat. We got to change the way we live. We got to change the way we treat each other. The old way is not working. So it's on us to do what we got to do to survive. And that's the truth, right? And so many of us have been ingrained in like, go to these people with these white coats and they'll make you better. 
But when you stop and take a breath and you zoom out and you realize that you're just being handed pills and pills and pills, um, if you're smart, I think you, you take another breath and you step back a little more and you say, what are the other options? Like, what are indigenous people doing? What are people in different cultures around the world doing? Because everybody can't be doing this. And quite frankly, it hasn't been around a long time. It's been around my whole life and my mother's and my grandfather's. Um, but before that, there were other ways and people knew of other ways for thousands of years to help each other. And I think that's what we're starting to explore now. That's becoming more and more mainstream. And that's what's really exciting. Yes. Yeah. And you said a word earlier that I use all the time and and uh, and I talk to my my audience about it pretty often. But for people who don't know the term new neural pathways, can you give mm. some more insight on that? Yeah. So, you know, the way that we think. Um, starts to become almost habit. We, when we think a certain way, when we feel a certain way, that becomes part of what's called our, our default mode network. And it's just like, to use an analogy, uh, skiing. If you ski and you go down, down this ski slope, you know, if you go in the afternoon, there are a lot of ruts. Uh, people have been down and you tend to get caught in those ruts and it's hard to get out of them at times. That's the same way we think and, and we feel very often. What these medicines do is they provide that fresh coat of snow so that those ruts and the way we think, the way we feel are no longer there. They give us an opportunity to think differently, to come at problems from a different angle, to feel differently. And um, that's what's so magical about all of this. I love that. And that's the true path to, to healing. It actually gets us out of the past <laughs> and yes. into the present. Lovely. And I want to ask an important question, especially for those who might be really struggling right now. Um, do you have a message for people who are going through the thick of depression or maybe they're experiencing pseudocidal thoughts like suggestions or tips or tools or words of inspiration? Yeah, there, there's, there's help out there. There are a lot of people like you and I know that you feel alone, but you're not. And if you ask for help, which is something that not enough of us do, you'll find that there are millions of people who are willing to help you. Part of what we're doing with Webdelix is building community. I sit on the board of an organization called AIR, which is an acronym for Attitudes in Reverse out of Princeton, New Jersey. It's a, a teenage suicide and adolescent mental health foundation um, where we help individuals. And that's, again, you know, a big part of how we can help each other heal is we can get away from this ego-driven like pound on your chest, I'm okay mode to saying, uh, hey, you know, I'm having a really tough day. Vanessa, do you think you can you can come have some coffee with me and talk to me? And then beyond that, beyond that asking for help is not just asking for help in the traditional ways, but being willing to explore these alternative methods of healing because they're out there. There's a big difference between treatment and healing. And I think a lot of people don't realize that most of what exists in, in our country, at least in, in the United States, is treatment. Um, but there are ways of healing. And th there's so much that goes into it, right? We, we're an ecosystem within ourselves. And so if you are depressed, you really have to look at everything. It's not just like, okay, I, I, I know that Vanessa is going to make me laugh if I go have coffee with her and I'll feel better. That's not just the solution. It's part of it. But what are you eating? What are you drinking? When? How much sunlight are you getting? Are you working out? Where are you working out? What are you doing to increase your vibration and your frequency with the people around you? All of those things become really, really important. And what we're talking about, these tools that, that are there in the form of natural medicine, 
they can enhance all of that that you're trying to do. But it becomes, like I said, part of this, this system that when you start to put everything together, it's a machine, right? A, a car can't run with just a piston or a carburetor or a spark plug. You have to put all of these things together and then it starts to run. That's how we do it. When you go to these you know, traditional, and not to knock them, they do a lot of great work, traditional therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists. They do a lot of great work in many ways, but I think that there's more that they can do. Um, you know, I, my experience from people that I've spoken to and worked with is very, very seldom do they ask you, you know, what your diet consists of mm. or when you're eating and, you know, what you're doing in your downtime and, and all of these things. And that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. It's crucial. <laughs> it's such, yeah. a, it's such yeah. a big piece to the puzzle. Yeah. That's not being spoken about. Yeah. So that, those are good things to keep in mind. And also, um, in addition to that question, for other ones, for, for loved ones that um, have people in their inner circle or in their family and they know that they're struggling, how can they support? Because oftentimes our loved ones are pushed away and the person won't up, open up or receive. And so do you have any words of, of wisdom or suggestions for them? Yeah, you have to support them. You have to meet them where they are. And, you know, I was just helping a family with this recently. And I had this question from the mother who wanted to help her daughter. And in fact, now is helping her daughter uh, who had debilitating depression. And it was for, for her, for mom and the rest of the family to learn about alternative uh, medications and uh, methods of healing. And so, you know, I sent her to, to watch how to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan, gave them some books to read, gave them some links to follow. And so it's not it's not that, hey, what's wrong with you? Let's get you to the doctor and get you some meds to make you feel better. It's like, hey, um, I don't completely understand what you're going through. But what's really interesting to me is that there are things that are being done now that I haven't seen in my 60 or 70 years on the planet, um, but might be of interest to you. And it's this psilocybin that I hear about or this you know, ayahuasca that Aaron Rodgers is talking about that made him win the MVP in the NFL in 2021 and 2022 and all of these other things. So it's educating yourself and coming from a place of love and support to help them understand, which I think then, you know, the gloves go down and the, and the hands come down and that defensive mode goes off and uh, they're more willing to, to listen to some of the things you have to say. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And on this show, um, it's a new podcast, so I still have episodes to come out. But one of the themes is really just having these conversations so that we are all brainstorming, being creative, collaborating. I call it this new earth that we're coming into. You can call it whatever you want, right? Just changes, transformation. What does this new era look like for mental health from your perspective? Or what is your ideal perception of it? Yeah, it's, it applies in, in your personal life and in your professional life. I think the pendulum has now begun to swing back in the direction that we needed to from competition and conflict to collaboration, right? Community is such a big part of everything we're doing. Like we're tribal by nature and we should use that. We should build our tribes. Like there, there are groups here in Miami that we've become a part of that are extraordinary. These human beings are amazing. I'm constantly learning from them and just wowed by the music and the drum circles and the medicine music and, and what they're doing in different ways. And so it's this opportunity to collaborate with each other, not just in creative ways, but in ways that are healthy. You know, I, I put up fasting 
opportunities on social media. Say, hey, guys, we're going to do a, a three-day water fast. Anybody want to join us? You get all these private messages. Yes, we'll do it together. And, you know, it's beautiful. But that's what it is. I think it's that it's and it's a heightened level of consciousness that we're I think that we're entering where we realize that we're all connected. We're all connected. We're not separate. You may be a different color than I am, and we may believe in different gods or spirits or universe ideas, universal ideas. But at the end of the day, we are all connected. We feel each other's pain. And the more we can recognize that we are connected and we can collaborate with each other. And as uh, as Ram Das says, realize and recognize that we're all just walking each other home, the more likely we are to succeed. Yes, I, I love that. What he says, we are all walking each other home. That is beautiful. And my final question, I love your ideal um, perception of, of how we get there, right? Collaborating, being in community, uh, just really supporting each other and, and honing in on how connected we truly are. That's beautiful. What is one of the, the major things that needs to change? What, what needs to kind of deteriorate or release? Yeah, we have to come from a place of fear to a place of abundance, right? Because that's where love, that's where compassion, that's where empathy lives. And for so long, I think that we've been conditioned to be afraid. Like if you watch the news, uh, it's fear mongering. I haven't watched the news or read a newspaper in 11 years, but I know what's going on in the world. I can tell you what's going on. I'm plugged in, but I'm very intentional on how I spend my time, right? It's the most valuable commodity that we have. So if we can come from a place of fear to a place of abundance, then we all win. And, and so all of that divisiveness goes away and all of that community and connectivity starts to come into our lives. There's a really great book uh, called uh, Letting Go by uh, Dr. Uh, Hawkins. Hawkins, and, uh, that's good. Yeah, great book, right? Where he talks about, he quantifies the different vibrations. And when you look yeah. at these very low in shame and guilt and fear, very low. And when you get to that 200 Hertz, which is courage, that's the tipping point where it goes from a negative vibration or low vibration to a higher one. And then we get into that realm of positive, high frequency of love and abundance and empathy and joy and all of those things. We need to do that. We need to come from a place of love and abundance and high frequency consciousness uh, rather than from a place of fear and divisiveness. Amazing. Thank you. That's so powerful. Welcome. So good. What a juicy conversation. Thanks again for being here. So good to reconnect with you. Thank you. Likewise. Um, and if anyone has any questions or wants more information, like I said, they can go to WebDelix. Um, they can follow me on, on social media. It's just Mike Mamola, uh, M-U-M-O-L-A, anywhere and everywhere and or through you. So thank you so much uh, for okay. this today and also for what you're doing to, to make the world shine brighter. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Mike. You're welcome. Thank you. Take a breath with me on the count of three. One, two, three. And exhale.